Welcome to the first episode of Making It, an educational podcast for sports media professionals. I'm your host, Grant Hansen. Each week we explore a different aspect of the sports media industry and hear from guests all over the field. In this week's debut episode, we explore success. It's what everyone seeks, but how do you define it? How do you get it? What traits drive someone to success? We dive into all of that and more in conversations with three special guests. The first is Sean Callahan of Husker Online. Callahan serves as the digital outlets publisher and has covered Nebraska football since 1999. Husker Online is a part of the On3 network of college sports recruiting sites and provides coverage of all major sports at the University of Nebraska. Callahan is also a master entrepreneur, using his personal brand to create a number of different opportunities to generate revenue outside of Husker Online. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Callahan. Well, folks, uh, my pleasure here to welcome in Sean Callahan of Husker Online to the first episode of the Making It podcast. Sean, thanks for stepping in and giving us a little bit of time today. Honored to be on, Mr. Hanson. Thank you. Well, let's start at the beginning because I think this whole episode here is, of course, about defining success. And I think that's an important place to start. When you got here, when you came to the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, was writing always the plan for you? Did you have a plan going in? This is what I want to do. This is where I want to be. No, I don't really think I had like an exact plan that I was going to be a writer. I mean, I just knew I needed to do stuff. I needed, I knew I needed, I needed to learn how to do things like to, to go on the air, to write, to report, to edit, um, to go on camera. I needed to learn all these skills. I think initially, you know, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I grew up in the Sports Center era. Everyone thought being on Sports Center was cool. I mean, that was in the peak of its time when Dan Patrick was running the show, and you know, I, I loved play-by-play and announcing and broadcasting games. Um, the digital era, though, had not really started, and and that was kind of like what changed my career. Is I was really one of the first people. I was the first full-time digital media member in Nebraska, like that. Truly was hired as a full-time digital writer and, and, and I never could have predicted that. And honestly, I, I was more of a basketball person growing up. I love Nebraska football, covered it, or I, I went to the games, but you know, I always liked basketball. Um, so I never would have thought that like football was going to be truly like what carved my career going down this path. And so fast forward, I guess, to your senior year, I mean, how much of success is timing you know, with rivals and, and Shannon Terry at that point, kind of near the end of your time in college. Yeah, I mean, I started working for rivals as a freshman in college um, for Jeremy Crabtree and Bobby Burton, and I was part time. I was at the Daily Nebraskan and, and Rivals and KRNU, and then I started working for sixteen twenty the Zone, all at the same time, kind of juggling those opportunities. Um, but you know, I did a good job. I worked hard at it, and I think they saw the potential. And then Shannon Terry knew that they needed to put somebody at Nebraska um, as a full-time digital writer because he knew the potential. And I'll never forget, I went out there my senior year um, for a, a meeting with Shannon Terry in, in Nashville, Tennessee, and his staff. And um, you know, I was on my own like waiting with somebody else. And this young guy, his name was Cal Spears, and he, be, he went on to be successful in the industry and something different. But he says – he goes, you know, like those guys were talking and they said, whoever does this Nebraska job that you're being offered could could make it huge. And I was like, wow, like and that, I always thought about that, like the opportunity I was given 
And granted, it was entry level, $28,000 a year job at that time, um, but where it could go. And and now I own my own media brand, my company and and everything that we do. So I, I just flash back to that opportunity and, and, you know, working for rivals, doing a good job, led to one thing, led to another thing, led to that opportunity. Then I had to take advantage of that opportunity and get it to where I'm at today. Well, okay, so there's this concept with success that I've heard a lot of times that people talk about this, that some people are lucky or whatever, but I think a lot of times I, the phrase I hear the most is people making your own luck. Do you believe in sort of making your own luck in this field? Yeah, my analogy in this field is it's like a loose ball or a fumble. Not always the best player is going to get the loose ball or the fumble, but the person with the grit, the toughness, and the heart is going to get the fumble. And it may not always be convenient to jump down on the pile and grab the ball, but if you're the person that's willing to do that, you're going to make it in this field. Too many people expect this industry to gift wrap sweet jobs. It doesn't happen. And if there is a job posted that looks good, expect hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of applicants for that type of job. The really good opportunities and jobs come to the people that are reliable. They show up, work hard, and they have to have some talent. I mean, I'm not saying you don't have to have talent, but I'll give you an example. Like we, we've had somebody just recently has been helping us with doing some work, and she's done a really, really good job um, You know, for the duties I've asked. And this has been noticed by other people. Well, now it's going to lead to another opportunity for her because of just the job she did and kind of a lower-level opportunity, and she's shown her value and now that's going to get her another bigger opportunity. And so I think that's the key, you know, and we've had a lot of interns work for us that have gone on to have great success. Um, you know, Matt Reynoldson and local television and David Eichholz at 24-7 Iowa, Ali Snow's at ESPN. Um, so, you know, we the interns that we have come with us too, we, we really try to push them uh, to get them ready. Uh, Blake Arney's going to go work for uh, Sporting KC. So, um, you know, I, I know what it takes from doing this, and I try to teach our interns exactly what it's going to take. When you, when you think about, let's, let's shift to the entrepreneurial side of this industry, because you do a really good job of exemplifying that and marketing yourself and using your skills in a number of different areas. Can you talk a little bit about some of the different things that, that you do um, and the entrepreneurial side of, of sports media. Yeah. Being in this field now, you know, it's not as simple as like, this is my nine to five job. These are my 40 hours. Like you have to kind of, I mean, in what I'm in, I have to kind of create everything. And that, that means juggling, you know, it's, it, it's like being a multi-sport athlete in high school. You have to learn how to stay up to speed in all your things you do. So I have a television contract with channel seven. I have a television contract with NET or Nebraska public media for big red wrap up. And doing sideline reporting. My main venture is Husker Online, and I have a publishing agreement to manage and run that with On3. It used to be with Rivals.com before that. Then I have a radio contract with KFAB. Then I have radio reports that I sell to affiliates around the state. Then I do about 50 public speeches a year where I'm paid for each speech I do. I'm in the process of signing my second book deal with Triumph Publishing. So everything I do is about one thing, the brand of Husker Online and myself and, and what we do, um, but it's all together. Like you have to, there, you know, and you have to be flexible and you have to take opportunities because if you don't take them, somebody else is gonna take them. And, 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 and that, that's my advice to any young broadcaster. The word no should not exist in your vocabulary. 
if I give you an opportunity or somebody gives you an opportunity to do something in this industry while you're in college and you say no, you're, you could be missing out on your future. Um, you have to be a person that's like, wow, I might have to drop this Friday night plan to do this because this might lead to my job. And, and I truly mean that when I say that. How, how do you define success in this industry? What is What sticks out to you the most? Um, I don't know. I mean, metrics and numbers are really what I look at. And, you know, and I look at us like our YouTube channel is the largest in Nebraska. We're, you know, pushing 40,000 subscribers. Our, our website is one of the five largest websites for college football team sites in the nation uh, for all networks, 24-7, Rivals, um, On3, et cetera. So, you know, that's how we can know we're being successful is where we rank within our peers around the country. Um, so, you know, it's really fun. It's contagious. You know, it's addicting when you start to see what you can accomplish on your own and, you know, the, the revenue opportunities and the things that you can keep doing and building on your brands. I mean, that's success. You're like, wow, like, you know, I, you know, hiring Steve Sipple to join Husker online from the Lincoln journal star who had been there 33 years as the most read writer in Lee enterprises to leave that, to go work for us. I mean, that tells you we're doing something right, that we can take one of the top writers from an entire newspaper company to leave that industry to come over to us. Um, that, that told me, like, hey, we're doing something right here if we can get someone like that to want to join our team. Well, Sean, thank you so much for joining us. Plenty of great advice and some insight into success in the industry, which is what this episode is all about. Hey, thanks, Grant. I appreciate it. So success can certainly be measured in the numbers, but are there other ways? The short answer is yes. To find out how, we turn to our next guest here on the Making It podcast. It's Michael Severe of Hurt Ant Sports in the city of Papillion. Severe is Papillion's video and digital specialist while hosting the Let It Fly podcast for Hurt Ant and Big Red Wrap Up for Nebraska Public Media. He has played a number of different roles throughout his 30-year media career in which 21 years have been spent in Omaha. His previous experience ranges from sports talk radio at 1620 The Zone hosting on Sportsmanlike Conduct to working in television with KETV. Severe's background has greatly shaped his views on success. Well, uh, as we roll along here on making it, it's my pleasure to welcome in Michael Severe. Michael, thanks so much for deciding to sit down and talk a little bit about success and what it means in this sports media industry. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, man. Well, look, let's establish a baseline first. Uh, can you just kind of give a, a rundown, uh, a brief rundown of all the roles and different jobs that you have filled throughout your, your media career? Because it's not just sports media, although a majority of it has been in that field, your media career. Yeah, I mean, I started out in news, um, and sports going back to 95 was my first professional job. And uh, my first gig at a TV station was this split thing. They don't do much anymore. I did three days of news and then two days of sports as a shooter and then a backup anchor. And I did that for a while. I was a morning anchor for a while. I was an education reporter for a while. Um, I was a general assignment reporter, a morning reporter. Um, I got into radio. I did both afternoon talk in terms of sports and TV in the morning. Um, and then for about, I guess, about 14 years, I did just mainly just sports 
um, talk radio and whatever I could do, you know, maybe some play-by-play, some color, um, but mainly around that. And and then now I, I still kind of on a fringe of doing Big Red Wrap Up, uh, do some podcasts, and I work in the the video digital medium uh, for a city now, so for a government uh, channel. So I I've, I've been doing it since since basically '94 was my internship in New Orleans. I've been doing it since then. Well, tell me a little bit about that. You switch from working the morning show at 1620 The Zone, and, and now you're working for the City Papillion. What has that shift been like for you? Well, it was, it was weird because um, I always tell people COVID completely changed my life because when we got shut down and we started just doing shows from just at home and there was really no sports to talk about, and I realized, wow, I don't miss sports. I don't miss watching the amount of sports it's required to watch. If you're going to do 24 hours of radio a week, it's a lot. I mean, you're watching, you're watching stuff you're never going to talk about, but just have, just in case. Right. So um, I realized right then that this wasn't something I loved anymore. And so, and realized that I was pretty burned out of doing it. And then I did it for a whole other year after that, basically. Um, I went looking for something that had, it's funny when you reach a certain age, it's more important to find something that's got good benefits, right? So you want good insurance, somebody that pays for your dental, uh, somebody that puts money in your 401k or your 437 or your 457, whatever it's called. Um, and so that's what you're looking for. And I went looking for a job. I tried to get a job at the university. Um, I tried to get a job at UNO because uh, I wanted to work around people getting into the business. It didn't work out. Uh, ended up getting the job with the City Papillion. And I've been there now a year and four months. And um, I enjoy it. It's fun. It feels like small, small market TV is what it's a lot like. Well, and, and then now you kind of, after a while on the sidelines, you get back in the game with her dad, uh, to some extent doing some podcasting. Uh, you know, tell me a little bit about what that's been like for you and another shift to a direct Creighton fro- focus, which, you know, as far as I understand it, it was part of your job, but it wasn't the direct full you know, thrust of your job until now. So it's funny because I originally wasn't looking for a sports podcast. I wanted to do a food-based podcast. And I started doing something called Run the Damn Kitchen, um, where we would go to restaurants and we'd talk to chefs, we'd bring a guest in. And it's usually a sports-related guest sometimes or a news-related guest. Um, that's what I really, that's where my passion is. And we were doing that and we just couldn't get any sponsors for it, you know? And so you have to be able to pay for the production costs and stuff like that. And then this came along, they're opening a, a restaurant bar, a sports bar, down in the capital district in Omaha. It's called Let It Fly. It's going to be the, uh, there's one in Germantown outside of Memphis. There's one in Sioux Falls and it um, kind of funded by Mike Miller. He's the one that started the Let It Fly brand. They need somebody to do a podcast from the facility once it opens this summer. Um, We do Creighton stuff. Yeah, because Ryan Miller is one of our people. That's Mike Miller's brother and he's on the coaching staff. Um, We try to cover everything. The, The goal is to cover most sports in Nebraska uh, and then some some national stuff as well. It's kind of the goal. But, yeah, we have a lot of Creighton related guests that are on the show um, because it's just easy. You know, you got the relationship with Creighton, so it's pretty easy to do it that way. But it's it's fun. You know, it's it's an hour a week. It's an hour a week of of recording um, a podcast with Josh Jones, who's a former Creighton player. And, you know, it, it quenches a little bit of thirst. I'm not really that thirsty overall for sports. This is the first year in 30 some years that I'm not doing a mock draft or I'm not really into the draft because my life is just moving in a different direction. You know, I'd rather sit and watch TV or go places with the kids opposed to watching a lot of sporting events at this point in my life. When you think about just kind of all the jobs that you've done and the success that you've had, how much of that goes back to background? Like, I don't know how many of the listeners know that you served, you know, some time in the military, I believe mechanic work, right? 
Um, He's a helicopter maintenance guy. Yeah. Yeah. And so you do that, you know, and, and the rest of your background, how, how influential is that for you in you know your whole development and the, the way that your life has, has unfolded from a success point of view? I always tell people I think it's incredibly important because the diversity of my background, um, I, I can sit down and have a conversation with almost anyone um, because there's something that they really like that I can relate to because I've either done it, I've covered it. Um, they say about reporters that we stand in an ocean of water about an inch deep because we go into a story, we're in there, we learn some things, and then we move to the next one. So you learn about a lot of stuff, not a lot about it, but a lot of stuff. And so that's um, important. And, you know, growing up where I grew up in, in New Orleans and traveling a lot when I was a kid and the family I grew up in and the, the teams I cheered for. Um, and then early on in life, having the chance to go to a lot of big sporting events kind of, I think, gave me this knowledge, like an old school kind of knowledge that I can refer back to. So no, I think your, your experience is huge. It's, it's fine. You can, you can be born in Omaha, work your whole life in Omaha and die in Omaha and be fine. But I think it helps a lot to be able to be well-traveled, to have a lot of experiences and to be as diverse as possible too, because you can move from job to job and still be successful. I think. Would you, I guess this is the crux of the whole thing, right? Like, would you consider yourself to be successful? And what does that mean? Mm. I've always said that every person who does something that they really like, I'm not going to say love because that's that's intense, but they really like, um, and you can make enough money to support your family and you know do all the things you need to do to be able to do that, you know, keep a roof over your head, feed the people, be able to put your kids through college, that kind of thing. I would consider that to be an American success story. Um, then beyond that, if you find something that you truly love, and my example is always John Bishop. John Bishop went to school for this. He was on the same track with a bunch of people, like including Kevin Kugler, and then went off in kind of a different direction. Still does talk radio, but became the voice of a school, became the voice of Creighton, and loves it, and loves doing Creighton baseball, and loves doing Creighton basketball, and loves being a part of that Creighton community. There is no argument in the world that John Bishop is not successful. Now, some people may look and go, but he's not doing national games. He's not going traveling around the country. No, he's extremely successful in what he is doing. On the other hand, Kevin Kugler, at school at the same time, worked together when they were young, is very successful as well in a different way. He's traveling three, four days a week. He's all over the country. He's doing all these different sports. Um, but he doesn't have that one tied-in thing like John does with Crate. Two different ways, both extremely successful. Well, thank you so much, Michael. No problem, Graham. You're listening to the Making It Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Grant Hansen. For our final conversation, we go to the national level and the 800-pound gorilla known as ESPN. Matt Schick has been with the Worldwide Leader since 2012. The University of Colorado alum started his career in Denver at 9.50 a.m. The Fan shortly after graduation. His climb through the local TV ranks included a one-year stop in Kearney, Nebraska, and a four-year stint in Omaha at KETV from 2005 to 2009. At ESPN, Schick handles studio shows such as squeeze play and other play-by-play -play duties. For Schick, persistence, individualization, and his faith all played a role in his success. Well, for our final guest here on the Making It podcast, first episode, we're pleased to welcome, I'm pleased to welcome Matt Schick of ESPN. Thanks for joining us, Schick. Happy to do it. Well, okay, obviously this whole thing's about success um, and, and how you get there and, and how you define it. 
in this in this sports media industry. I, I want to take you back to the beginning, though. Tell me how you got your interest in this field and, and your start. I was always interested in um, in the video camera. Growing up, my father would uh, bring it home from a uh, from his office where they had to rent it out, sign it out. He worked for Bausch & Lomb back in the day. And he would bring it home, and we had big events because we didn't own a camcorder at the time. But when he brought it home, I would you know, put on a show. I would do certain things uh, in middle school. It just, I was fascinated by it. It's like, wow, this is pretty cool. So I started to get comfortable in front of the camera very early on. And then that crossed over with the love of sports. And I was not, uh, I could play all sports, but not at anything resembling a very high enough level to not have to pay for school. And so I, it came along the lines of at the same time that sports center was starting to, to really hit its peak with Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann. And I would watch that every day. And so that that's where the love started of, I know I'm not going to play sports at a high level, but I can talk about it. And um, so when it starts, when you think about the genesis of, of that, that's where it is. And then I moved to, uh, I moved to Colorado right before my senior year of high school. And it was a tough thing to do. But one of the great things about it was that the school had, televisions in every classroom and they had a, a class you could take that was uh, where you were responsible for doing the morning announcements and you were on tv and this was right in my wheelhouse I'm like well this is a way to for people to get to know me you know maybe meet some people and i wound up doing it. i did it for one semester and got a lot of uh, praise for it or at least a lot of encouragement of hey you should do this in a career and i was already considering doing that and so that's where that started and then went to school at the university of colorado and did sports talk uh radio did a sports tv magazine show where you're making no money doing it which is a good precursor for the first jobs that you have when you're actually uh, trying to make money or trying to uh, get into the field where you got to learn if you love it it's like the grind if you are an athlete you want to play in the majors but you got to be okay with riding the bus to uh the minor league facilities and you got to do the grind and so i i fell in love with the grind very early on yeah, talk about the grind, I guess, phase of your career, really between graduating from the University of Colorado and getting to ESPN. In that in-between time, was there ever a moment that you doubted if you could you know, continue to do this? Was there ever, or were there moments where you were just fully set in, like, I'm, I'm going to be okay if I keep grinding here? I think the biggest doubt happened before I got my first job, which was, am I going to get that first job? That one person has to give you a shot. You can't get experience unless you get experience. And so knowing that, uh, my first job out of school was mixing paint at Sears. I, I just needed a job. And so I did that for a couple of months. And then um, I kept knocking on the door. My dad was very instrumental in saying, hey, you need to you need to reach out to contacts. You need to start meeting people. And so... There's a sports talk radio station, AM 950, the fan of Denver, which I think is now an FM station. But we would, um, I contacted someone. They said, sure, we'll get you in here and you can meet some folks. And then I did. And I met some people and it kind of turned into, hey, why don't you, uh, why don't you shadow here for a little bit? And okay, why don't you run the board? Why don't you run the network board for Nuggets and Avalanche games? Okay, I'll run the network board, which is hitting a couple of buttons. I want to be on the air, but I know this is a good start. I'll, I'll hit the buttons there. And then one day, 
uh, their sports update guy was sick. And they said, hey, this is your chance. Do you want to do it? I was like, yeah, let's go. Then I started doing 2020 sports updates. That's what they were called. Every 20 minutes, I do a sports update. And I was ready for it. I'd heard these for years. I'd listened to the sports talk radio, the station for years. So I did those. And pretty soon I was on the schedule. Now you're the 2020 sports update guy for maybe two or three nights a week. And it was awesome. It was great. Um, but at that point I knew I was like, well, I still, I, I don't, what's my next job? Like I can't do this. And I don't know if I'm going to be moving over to that studio and doing a three hour sports talk radio shows. TV was still my first love. And so uh, I kept sending out tapes and I got rejected by a TV station in Kalispell, Montana and another one in, um, in Washington and just different places where you go. If they don't want me, then how am I ever going to to make it where I want to get to if these if station market number 178 says, sorry, you're not good enough or we'd like somebody else. And you realize that it's just one person that has to like you. And eventually you hope if you if you're good enough or if you have enough confidence to stick it out, it'll happen for you. And about three, three months later, got a, a response from a station in Kearney, Nebraska. And long story short, um, got the interview, hired me. And, you know, while you're in that job in a smaller market, there is a point where you think, well, what's my next job going to be? But my, my mindset was always just do the best job you're doing. Don't focus on the next job, focus on the current job. And if you do it well enough, that next job will come. And, and being a person of prayer and faith, I am just like, this is not up to me. This is not like, Hearts have to be softened toward a tape that they see, and they have to not eject the tape after the first seven seconds of this tape. And that's really not up to me. So there's a, there's certainly a lot of prayer involved in in that. And then a, a job in Omaha came open, and it was just a seamless, very seamless transition um, to get to to get to Omaha from there. Last two questions here quickly. When you're at ESPN, you you see the people who are successful at a national level. What sort of traits? define those people and then how do you define success in, in this field in the sports media industry i think the common traits are you have to have a lot of confidence you have to have a lot of confidence in a thick skin and be comfortable with your own voice your own presence and your own opinions and be willing to the whole cliche put yourself out there be authentic um, you know, I'm watching as we're doing this, I'm watching Stephen A. Smith and Dan Orlovsky right now on ESPN. And, you know, they know their stuff. They work hard at it. And they're who they are. They're not trying to be anybody else. Um, Stephen A. might be a little different off the air than he is on the air. But he is, he's authentic in his opinions. You don't have to wonder what he thinks. Um, this has turned sports media has turned into an opinion driven business rather than just reporting and facts. Everyone has to have an opinion around the horn started out with started out with newspaper people giving opinions like, whoa, these people can have opinions. I thought they just reported or just wrote columns. You have to be able to do a lot of different things. And so I think, you know, having a healthy ego, but not an overinflated one, being confident and being accustomed to. Um, the slings and the arrows that you get where if, if you want to have an opinion, you better be okay with people disagreeing with you. And so I think that's something that always uh, gets uh, is something that's always a challenge, no matter what level uh, you're at. And the other part of it, how do you define success? Um, 
when I was starting out, my success was going to be defined by, did I reach the level that I thought I could get to? And then what do I do beyond that? Um, it's hard to, I, I would say it's hard to compare yourself to others and use that to gauge success. Me, like many other people, I will watch ESPN, watch Fox Sports, and I'll know that I'm, I feel that I'm better than many of the people that have certain jobs. And that's okay. Because frankly, there were probably people better at my job when I was doing uh, Kearney, Nebraska, and Omaha, Nebraska, and people who could do my job that I do now better than me. And that's okay. Um, but my view has turned into a more holistic approach of, I started out wanting to be on SportsCenter, wanting to do ESPN, and and frankly, those are still some goals of, of getting to, you know, doing SportsCenter someday. But but I also know what that entails, which means moving to Bristol, Connecticut, which means picking up and moving. And right now, my biggest priorities are family, kids, coaching my kids, and being able to have a job that allows me to do that. And one of the biggest fears that I had getting into this business was I wanted to be a family, have a family. I wanted to have a wife and have many kids. And I wanted to watch them play sports. And my biggest fear was having to cover other kids, other parents' kids' sports and miss out on my own. And over the last three or four years, I've gotten very fortunate and blessed to be able to do this job at ESPN and SiriusXM while also not missing out on too much of what's going on locally. Pandemic had something to do with that as well, learning to operate from home, broadcasting games from a studio instead of going to some of the games. That has helped a little bit. Um, but success in my eyes has has certainly changed from what the world thinks success looks like versus what I want my legacy to be, which is through um, family, kids, and 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 doing you know, fulfilling my God-given potential in the sports media landscape and making a positive impact. So it's it's not necessarily about the paycheck or are you on SportsCenter? Do people know who you are? It's do my kids know who I am and will they remember my presence? And so it's, it's really changed over the last five to 10 years. Matt, that that's, in, that's incredible. Thank you so much for joining us. Grant, anytime. Thanks for having me. So what exactly makes you successful in sports media? It turns out the waters are pretty murky, depending on who you ask. You could measure it with metrics and views or personal satisfaction and achievement of long-desired goals. Success seems to vary from person to person. But there are some clear factors that help sports media professionals attract consumers and build a following. A diverse background, being yourself, and, and falling in love with the grind stick out from the comments of today's guests. Finding success in sports media isn't an easy road. But the careers of any of these guests show that making it is worth the trouble. With that, the first episode of Making It has come to a close. Thank you to our guests, Sean Callahan, Michael Severe, and Matt Schick, for joining us on this podcast opening episode. One final time, I'm your host, Grant Hansen, saying so long, and we'll talk to you next week.